Welcome to Fantasy Stories by Till Turner. Copyright 2010. Today's story, a Halloween story. Nathan Steele walked very cautiously as he followed the winding path of Nelson's shady lane. It was one of the roads that the state never paved. Too many accidents occurred for the Department of Transportation to justify continuing its efforts. It was one of the few times the citizens of Nelson Gap sympathized with the state. Nathan didn't know any of the controversies surrounding Shady Lane. Parents tend to exclude children from such conversations, the ones that take place at night, after bedtime. To Nathan, Shady Lane was simply the old road that cut through the woods and ended on Route 13, where his friend Paolo Ricci lived. His parents advised him often to take any of the other roads to get to Paolo's, but that made Shady Lane all the more intriguing. The two boys had often wondered why no houses were on the lane except for old man Nelson's cottage, which was enshrouded in honeysuckle and briars. All their parents had ever told them was that the Nelson family had possessed a history of lunacy and that old man Nelson killed his son one night in a fit of rage. After that, it was rumored that old man Nelson, for 20 years, never left his house. It was a man on the first road surveying crew who knocked on the door only to see old man Nelson lying face down on the living room floor, dead. No one attended the funeral, only the Lutheran minister who blessed the old man Nelson's soul. The old man was buried just off the road near his house. Nathan's and Paolo's parents never told them anything else, not of the tree or the ghost. Nathan arrived at Paolo's just in time to help him with his mummy costume. It's awesome, isn't it? said Paolo with his eyes peering through layers of white gauze wrapped around his head. Yeah, you've got the dusty look in everything. I know, cool, huh? Mom helped him with that. Paolo looked at himself in the mirror and raised his arms as if he were the walking dead. So cool. Hey, did you bring your comics? Nathan grabbed his backpack and threw it on Paolo's bed. Yep, all 20 issues of Blood Thing. All right. Paolo's bandages flopped back and forth on his arms as he flipped through a comic. While Paolo poured over Nathan's comics, Nathan got out his outfit and makeup kit. He held it up, all of it, for Paolo to see. No way, said Paolo. You got the blood thing outfit. Man, that's the best of the lot. I'm surprised Dead City Costumes still had one. Dude, this is going to be the best Halloween ever. As the sun was setting, Nathan and Paolo sat completely costumed on the floor in Paolo's room, reading blood thing comics. Leaves from the pin oak outside Paolo's room fell rapidly scratching against the bedroom window. The burnt orange light of dusk flooded the room. All was quiet in the house except for Mrs. Ricci cooking dinner downstairs. But the silence ended when Paolo's father arrived home from work. The boys could hear his car skid to a stop in the driveway. They heard his footsteps racing up the sidewalk to the back door, which entered the kitchen. Mr. Ricci was panting and pacing back and forth. 
the boys could hear mumbling and whispering between the parents. They knew something important was happening. In order to hear better, Nathan and Paolo crept to the landing of the staircase where they could hear every word. I know, Joan, I know, said Mr. Ricci, breathing heavily. Mrs. Ricci sighed. But dear, you can't be serious. Those things can't really happen. It's just ghost stories. Yeah, well, I know what I saw. And that old oak tree by Nelson's cottage was moving like, well, I don't know, like a person. A person? Oh, Carl, really. You're just tired. Don't talk down to me, sweetheart. I know it sounds nuts, but maybe there's more to those old stories than we thought. I mean, the road crews have been driven away from the Nelson property seven times. There's got to be something going on. Nathan and Paolo looked at each other, their eyes wide and their hands cool and clammy. They didn't say a word, and they made certain not to breathe loud. This news was incredible. There was a brief silence in the kitchen with only the sound of stew bubbling and Mrs. Ritchie pouring coffee into a mug. But Carl, if such a thing were true, it would be horrible. I know, sweetheart. But that wasn't all. Nathan and Paolo looked at each other, scooted closer to the balustrade of the stairs. What, Carl? said Mrs. Ricci quietly. What else was there? Well, it was... Mr. Ricci hesitated. It was like a small boy. He was very white, pale, and his eyes had a blue glow. He vanished behind a tree before I noticed anything. After that, I got the heck out of there as fast as the car would go. Carl, we don't dare let Paolo go close to that lane anymore, said Joan, her voice faltering. I agree. I'll call Nathan's parents right now. Maybe they won't think I'm a complete mad idiot. Nathan and Paolo were frozen, their faces pressed against the balusters. Paolo's eyes were as big as dinner plates and shone out of the gauze wrapped around his head. Nathan removed the artificial fangs from his mouth. Then both boys raced back to the bedroom. Man, did you hear that? shouted Nathan. I can't believe it, said Paolo. They looked at the bloodstained comics, then shoved them under the bed dismissively. A real ghost, the two boys said. A real live ghost! This is just too awesome! Dude, I wish we had cell phones, said Nathan, so we could text all our friends. Yeah, I know. I haven't had any luck with my cell phone plea. Just wait a couple of years. We have to check out that cottage, said Nathan, pacing the bedroom, his black and red cape fluttering behind him. Hey, he continued. Why do you think your dad was going to Nelson Lane? I don't know. I heard him and Mom talking about it one night about how cheap the property is because nobody wants it. Dad thought he could buy it cheap, fix it up, and resell it. Whoa, 
Your dad was thinking of buying Nelson Lane? Man, that is very cool. Nathan and Paolo agreed to check out the old Nelson place instead of meeting with their friends for trick-or-treat. If there was time, maybe they could do both, but the Nelson place would come first. Boys, dinner is ready, shouted Mrs. Ricci. Nathan looked at Paolo sternly. Okay, we don't lit on that we heard anything, got it? Nato, Paolo nodded his bandaged head. At the dinner table, all four sat quietly. Outside, it was nearly dark. Mr. Ricci looked up at the dining room window. Boys, I want you to stay away from the Nelson place tonight. There might be a bunch of teenagers causing trouble. What kind of trouble? asked Paolo, trying to fit a small piece of chicken through the mouth hole in the gauze. Don't worry about what kind. Just don't go near there. Just use Oak Ridge Lane to get to the other neighborhood. And Nathan, I called your parents to let them know I would tell you both not to go near the Nelson property. You know you two really do look hideous. Thanks, replied Nathan, shooting a glance at Paolo, whose eyes indicated he clearly was smiling. After dinner, Nathan and Paolo grabbed their trick-or-treat bags, two flashlights, and ran out of the house as Paolo's mother shouted at them to be careful. They knew the path well. They and many other students at the middle school had used the shortcut from Oak Ridge Lane to Nelson Shady Lane many times because a short distance across the Nelson property put you on the lawn beside the football field at school. But lately nobody had been using the path and there were vines and fallen limbs here and there along the way. It was now completely dark, and the boys could hear other trick-or-treaters in the distance. The night was cool, and a breeze rustled the leaves on the ground and in the nearby trees. The boys turned on their flashlights, pointing them in any direction from which they heard a sound. At one point, a twig snapped to their right, and they stopped, each swallowing hard. Could it be the teenagers, they thought? Or maybe trying to keep them from the Nelson place. Nothing happened. So they moved down the path and could see the cottage under the moonlight. The shutters on the front windows were tilted to one side. A window was broken and leaves were covering the roof, the gutters, and the front porch. It looked like a tomb. The boys emerged from the woods and stood on Nelson Lane. They could no longer hear the other kids in the neighborhood. There was just the Nelson cottage staring at them. A low moan came from somewhere near the house, but the boys couldn't make out for certain where. Then a blanket of icy blue mist came from behind them, splashing against their legs. It hugged the leafy ground and circled them three times very quickly before transforming into the shape of a narrow stream or creek as it raced away from them toward the large oak tree next to the cottage a sound like the wail of a small child surrounded them now what do we do paolo's voice was tremulous well your dad said he saw a tree moving in a weird way so let's nathan was interrupted as paolo who was looking behind him put his hand on Nathan's shoulder. 
Pallor was as stiff as a real mummy and was pointing at the tree behind Nathan. Paolo turned, let out a scream, and both boys fell over each other in an attempt to run away. They lay on the ground, leaves blowing around them, and several feet above them in the large oak tree was a face, iridescent and contorted. It was like a projection of a face on the tree, and the boys turned to see if anyone, maybe the teenagers, were playing a trick. But when they looked back, the face was still there, sometimes clear, other times blurry. Its mouth was moving as if it were trying to speak to them. Then it disappeared. The boys picked up their flashlights and aimed right at the spot the face had been. They scanned the whole tree. Nothing. Get out, Paolo whispered. Man, we better leave. If old man Nelson could kill his kid, who knows what he could do to us? Is there something worse than being killed? Joked Nathan. You know what I mean, dude. He might torture us or bury us alive or... Paolo stopped again, frozen in his speech. Not again, said Nathan sarcastically. Nathan turned just in time to see a small gnome-like boy run from behind the tree to the side of the cottage. What the? We gotta get out of here, Nate, begged Paolo. This crapola is too real. Come on, Paolo. We can get to the heart of it, don't you see? You and I can solve the mystery of the Nelson murders. The chicks at school will think you're the coolest dude ever. Paolo scratched his head through the bandages. Even Lisa Browning? Yes, even Lisa Browning. You'll finally be able to go steady with Lisa Browning. I'm in, said Paolo with renewed determination and courage. I am so in. Paolo Ricci, ghost hunter. Nathan went ahead of Paolo, who was still talking to himself, and saw a faint afterimage of a person merge with the side of the cottage. He rubbed his eyes and motioned to Paolo to hurry. Get over here. You're missing everything. What'd I miss? That boy just went into the side of the house. He just melted right into it. Both boys then saw a dim light come on in the basement of the cottage. No way. There's somebody in there, said Paolo. Nathan looked back at him. Let's go down on the ground like we do when we play army and crawl up to the window. He could see Paolo hesitating. I don't know, Nate. Do the initials L.B. mean anything to you? Paolo pushed Nathan on the shoulder. Yeah, blood thing, Junior. I get it. The boys crawled up to the window, the sill of which was several inches above the ground. They could see mountains of junk piled around the basement which was completely dust-covered. In one corner was a simple flat-top desk, and on it was a lamp, which was the only light on. We have to get to that desk, resolved Nathan. How? We can't get inside. No way, Lisa or not, I'm not going inside. At that point, a mournful cry came from inside the house. It seemed to come from the entire cottage and reverberate through the woods just like the moan they had heard moments before. What the? started Paolo. Nathan took off his cape 
and handed it to Paolo. Then picked up the largest rock he could find. What are you doing, nutcase? asked Paolo, dumbstruck. I'm going in, with you or without you. I want to see what's on that desk. I'm sure that little boy led us to it. Before Paolo could respond, Nathan knocked out the basement window with a rock and started climbing in. Well, I guess, just come on, doofus, said Nathan. Nathan peered around the basement with his flashlight as Paolo crawled through the window. Paolo made his way down the boxes under the window and eventually joined Nathan. They both looked around and made the same statement. There's nothing down here but trash. Nearly everything in the basement was broken or incomplete. There was a washing machine with no lid, a toy truck with no wheels, TVs with cracked screens and piles of old folded clothes. The list went on. It looks like they raided the landfill, remarked Nathan. They made their way over to the small desk in front of which was a chair. There were little pictures bush-pinned to the basement wall just above the desk. They were the crayon drawings of a small child. They were yellowed and curling over on the corners. Paolo rummaged through the other pictures on the desk. Nathan picked up the dust-covered composition book, blew the dust off, and noticed a title in a child's handwriting. My days. Nathan swallowed hard. Paolo, this is a diary. The boys sat on the basement steps and shared the little diary, taking turns reading the awkwardly written pages. They were stunned and saddened. His mom died of pneumonia, Paolo said. And his dad was too poor to get help. He was too ashamed and afraid to send his son to school, Nathan said, holding the diary. He read a short passage out loud. Daddy says I can't go to school because I might not come back. He's afraid. Mommy's spirit came last night and made him cry. My cough is getting real bad. I'm always hot. Daddy sits by my bed at night. I got a new toy. Daddy found it in a trash can down the street. It's fun. Who threw away a toy? I hope I get more trucks. Paolo sighed. Man, this house is sad. Nathan raised his head. He looked over at the desk. Standing beside it was the spectral image of a small boy with his arms outstretched. Nathan tapped Paolo on the leg to look up. No way, whispered Paolo. Then the upstairs door to the basement creaked open. The boys' hearts raced and they went pale. The ghostly boy stood behind them, thin but with a smile. Ahead of them came a gaunt, sickly woman walking down the stairs in a long, dark gray dress. Behind her was an old man, disheveled and thin. Nathan and Paolo to one side as the shimmering figures descended the stairs and glided over to where the boy stood.
What does this mean? said Paolo, his heart pounding. Nathan stood rigid. It's like a reunion. It's the Nelsons, I think. The boys backed up the boxes under the window they had entered and started climbing to the exit. The three figures by the desk stared at them. Their mouths opened and a deafening roar tore through the house, shaking everything in the basement and sending dust down upon them from the joists above. Grasping the diary, Nathan climbed out the window, followed by Paolo. As they raced back to the path through the woods toward home, they felt a strong wind blow past them, sending leaves and twigs flying through the air along. A glowing blue mist swirling around them and the trees in front of them. Yelling, the boys closed their eyes and made a frantic dash for Paolo's backyard. As the two boys lay in the backyard in a pile of leaves, they tried to catch their breath. They looked back at the woods. The mist was receding back towards the Nelson property. Now it was time to show their parents the diary and hope they wouldn't ground them for life for visiting the Nelson cottage. Later that night, about 11.30, long after Nathan and Paolo's normal bedtime, Nathan and Paolo's parents sat in the Ricci's living room, taking turns reading the diary as they passed a bowl of Halloween candy. Nathan and Paolo sat on the floor leaning against the wall. Carol, Nathan's mother, was the first to speak. We've been so wrong. Everybody's been so, so wrong all these years. That poor family. We can make sure that this is printed in the local papers. The family needs to be remembered with honor, said Mr. Ricci. The light in the living room began to change. The lamps flickered, then went out. All six sat for a moment in the dark. Then, through the window, looking out onto the backyard, shone a blinding blue light. Everyone rose from their seats and dashed to the window. Standing in the yard were three ghostly figures of the Nelson family, their forms shimmering in the moonlight. Nathan, Paolo, and their parents went outside and stood mesmerized by the sight of the spectral family. Then all three of the Nelsons raised a hand as if waving goodbye, then melted away into the night as the clock in the Ricci house struck midnight. The next morning, Nathan and Paolo went to the Nelson cottage. They were bleary-eyed from lack of sleep, but they knew that what they were seeing must be true. The cottage no longer looked abandoned. The shutters were straight on their hinges. The gutters were empty of leaves. The porch was repaired and cleared of debris, and the window was no longer broken. This is impossible, stammered Paolo. It's as if someone showed up and repaired the house overnight, said Nathan. As they looked at the upstairs windows, they saw a faint image. As it became clear, they knew it was the Nelson boy. He waved at them, smiling, before fading into the shadows of the room. Nathan looked at Paolo with a smile and the diary in his hand. I guess we've made a new friend. As they walked down the Nelson Lane, Paolo looked back at the cottage and puffed out his chest. Tomorrow, at school, 
I'm asking Lisa Browning to go steady. Nathan sighed and chuckled. Finally. The end.